This week on Your PA Mentor, we have part two of our two-part episode covering the first five years of your PA practice. We covered the first two years last week, and this week we're going to go over years three, four, and five. If you haven't listened to the first episode of the series, go take a listen and then meet us back here. Let's dive right in. Welcome to your PA Mentor Podcast. I'm Sammy Ngo, your host and fellow PA, and I'm here to help you navigate your way to a fulfilling PA career. At 26 years old, I landed my dream job as a brand new graduate right out of PA school without even realizing it, all because I had an incredible mentor who guided me through my first year as a clinician. My mentor completely changed my life and how I practice medicine. He didn't just teach me clinical medicine. He taught me how to love the art of medicine, how to develop work-life balance, how to avoid burnout, and most importantly, how to truly love and continue to love my profession. Because of him, I am the confident PA that I am today. And that is why I have made it my mission to help PA students and new grads navigate through the PA profession with advice, strategy, and tools to find your way to a fulfilling career as a PA. And with that said, my friends, it is now time to dive into today's episode. Hi, Erin. Hi, Sam. Last week, we spent an entire episode going over what to expect during the first two years of practice as a new PA and how to make those first years run smoothly. And we covered a lot of territory, including how to manage imposter syndrome, make your EMR work for you, and lay the foundation for a healthy work-life balance. And today we're picking up at the beginning of year three. Yes. And the first two years are sometimes filled with a lot of self-doubt and tears. But by year three, you're either going to hit your stride or feel like you've made the worst decision of your life. Right? <laughs> Yeah. But if you're struggling, look at what is working for you and what isn't. How are your work days? Do you get out on time? Do you finish your charts before the end of the day? Are your work relationships beneficial? Do you feel supported at work? And take time to evaluate your relationship with your supervising physician. Could it be better? Are you getting enough feedback? Or do you feel like you're being micromanaged? Do you think you would do better with a different supervising physician? Sometimes that's part of the problem, but I really hesitate recommending changing SPs because honestly, at the end of the day, it's not your supervising physician's fault if you're struggling. Right. Take responsibility for your part and change the things that you're capable of changing before you start looking at external reasons for why things aren't going well. You can change your supervising position or even change your job. But if you haven't evaluated any of your own issues, you're going to run into the same problems in a different practice. That's right. And so many of you know, when I first started out, I really had a hard time for my first three years. And when I look back, it wasn't because of any one particular supervising physician. My main problem was I was overworking myself. I was taking on too many extra shifts and I really wasn't taking care of my physical or mental health. I had two part-time jobs in urgent cares and I bounced back and forth between two full-time jobs. I wasn't prioritizing myself or my time. I kept thinking if I could just find the one magic job, everything would get better. But it wasn't until I started prioritizing my health and my happiness that things really started to fall into place career-wise. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have that problem. I had a great supervising physician and my biggest struggle was learning how to communicate empathy. But obviously, that's not something I can blame my supervising physician for, right? 
I would have had that problem no matter where I was. Exactly. So take stock of your own practice. Do you like going to work in the morning or do you dread it? If you're dreading work, maybe it's time to make a change. So talk to your clinic manager about trying a different schedule or changing how patients are booked to see you. Maybe limit new patient appointments to two a day or try to stack out your gynecology patients all in the same block for a better flow. And I know we keep saying this over and over, but if you're feeling stuck in a rut, reach out to other PAs. Since COVID, I haven't been to any CMA conferences, and I can honestly say that I miss networking and hanging out with my other PA friends and just talking shit. (laughs) Staying involved with the PA community can help lessen stress and feelings of isolation. I think it's pretty fair to say that most of us are going through that right now. The AAPA has a group chat that I hadn't really participated in too much prior to this year, but it's actually pretty interesting. And don't underestimate how nice it is to have a bitch session with other people who can understand what you're dealing with. It can also help to get some perspective on whether or not the things that you're struggling with are similar to what other people are going through. Yeah, and not just the APA group chat. There's a lot of Facebook chats for moms and PAs and new grad PAs. A ton of them are everywhere. So get involved in all those types of communities as well. If things are going generally well, year three is when you should start feeling more comfortable with your medical practice to the point where you can start looking at other projects to take on within your clinic. There are always new quality improvement projects you can work on and systems and processes that need periodic revaluations to make sure they're effective and efficient. You guys, I cannot stress enough how much medicine is still done because, quote unquote, that's how we've always done it. And it doesn't mean that the systems or processes are efficient or practical or that there isn't a better way. So at my work, we had a scheduling system that was always messy. It stressed the nurses out. It made me feel like I was constantly behind. And we switched to a different system. And surprise, surprise, it actually works out so much better. But we had an office manager who wasn't afraid to shake things up and try new things. Even though there was a lot of resistance at first from a lot of the older PAs and nurses, at the end of the day, it was totally worth it. Because once they started seeing like, hey, this new system is actually saving us a ton of time and a ton of steps, and it runs so much smoother, then everybody kind of bought into it. So these are the sorts of things that you can start looking at in your own practice and trying to figure out, hey, how could we make this better? Yeah. And there's always going to be resistance with change. Always. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Look around in your office and see what things need help. Are your patients being given their lab notifications? Are they being followed up after their cultures come back? Are there things that you have noticed that could be a little better with a little tweaking? Right. And so bring your ideas to your supervisor. Let them know that you've been thinking about projects that you could take on and potentially spearhead. Show some initiative. I think one of the hardest things for new grads to grasp is the fact that you are a leader when you're a PA. Most new grads are so insecure that it's hard for them to even think that in three to four years, they're going to be in such a different place than where you are right now. So keep a list of things that you've noticed that need some improvement. Right. And we don't recommend trying to tackle these or bring them up until you have some purchase within your clinic. If you come in as a new grad not knowing anything about a medicine, but you immediately try to stir things up and change a bunch of stuff, you are not going to get a great reception. The most annoying thing a new grad can do is think they know everything after only being around for like six months. That doesn't mean you can have a good idea and think about how things can be improved as a new grad. It just means that it takes time to earn the respect of your colleagues and being a know-it-all to everyone can be really off-putting. 
Yeah. Make sure that you have the patient care side of things down before you start making suggestions on how to improve the clinic. Obviously, if it's something simple, you don't have to wait two to three years. But if you're thinking about a whole new scheduling process or workflow or changing different work strategies, make sure you've put the time into getting to know why things are done and how it's done. I used to work with an ENT and he always took a two-hour lunch. And I would get so annoyed because we got a lot of requests for lunchtime appointments and then I could never book those, right? But his lunchtime was his time that he worked out and he ran and was the only way he could sort of make it through the day. So when I suggested, hey, why don't you move the time that you run? It was not well received. And fair enough, he did not need me making any gentle suggestions about his time management. So we just kept those hours blocked and he kept running on his lunch break. Yeah, sometimes things may make sense to you, but when you're working with an entire team, it takes time to gain that respect. So put in your hours, excel your job, see patients, learn how to bill and chart and how to manage your own time before you start pointing out things that other people could be doing better. Yeah. And so by year four, you should be comfortable with almost every aspect of being a medical provider. Work-life balance is always a struggle, but should be a lot easier to notice when it's getting out of whack. If you're starting to feel burned out, ask yourself, when was my last vacation? If you're getting grouchy with your scheduler or your MA, ask yourself, when was the last time you exercised or made yourself a healthy meal? Whenever I feel myself getting cranky or impatient with my staff, it's usually not about them. It's about me. And mm -hmm. I know this. I always feel that I'm either being too tired or too run down my personal life. And until I get all that sorted out, things at work won't get any better. And I know we keep saying it, but you really have to hold yourself accountable for your own behavior. Being a medical provider is a stressful, emotionally and physically exhausting job. Mm -hmm. You have to put in the time to make sure you're taking care of yourself before you can effectively take care and manage the needs of others. It's true, guys. Once you're feeling sorted and ready to spread your wings, now's the time to approach your supervisor about leadership opportunities and room for growth within the practice. If you want to start taking on special projects, joining committees, or even forming your own, this is the time to start. Yes, take initiative. If you want to be a lead PA in the practice, approach your clinic manager or your supervising physician. Let them know why you'll be granted a job. Let them know what you're interested in and how to broaden your scope of practice. Erin, are you on any committees at your work right now? I am. The Department of Corrections has a multi-advisory P&T committee where we discuss medication formulary and therapy indications for the Department of Corrections health plan. And I had actually asked to be on it when I first started about three years ago. I had been at DOC for about two years and I felt like, okay, I feel like I know enough to be able to take on this additional responsibility. But they declined my initial application. Then a year later, when they were looking for a new member again, they actually approached me and asked if I was still interested. It actually worked out really well. I kind of let them know, hey, I am interested in taking on this sort of thing. And when the time was right, they remembered that. And how often do you meet for these meetings? We meet about once a quarter. And I've got to say, it actually provides a lot of insight and perspective into what it takes to get a new medication on the formulary and how the internal processes work. There really is a lot of thought and discussion that goes into each change. And it helps me to understand some of the frustrations that I have had in the past and realize what it takes to actually change things. 
the process. Yeah. Are you on any committees? No. Um, I worked at two small family-owned practices in Connecticut. I was the only PA, so I guess I was the lead PA. <laughs> <laughs> and in San Francisco, I was technically the lead PA because I've been there the longest, and there's only two of us, so... By so default, there you go. I was lead PA. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and currently in my job right now in urgent care, there was a position that was open for a regional lead PA back in January. This PA would be in charge of the North Division, which included five of our clinics. And I was actually kind of interested because there were talks about it, but they didn't post it until three days after I gave birth. And at this time, I was on maternity leave. I didn't even see the email. And the entire interview process was scheduled and everything was done in three weeks. When I got back, it was four months later, I was a little upset because everything changed and it went all these new lead PAs. And I was like, wait, I didn't get a chance to interview for that position. But honestly, I mean, I think it would have been too much for me to take on since I just had a newborn baby. So I wasn't that mad about it. Yeah, no, but it's nice to know that those sorts of positions do come up and that they're available for when you are ready to sort of start thinking about that. So after joining a committee, running projects, you might be asking yourself, what more could there possibly be left to do to be a badass PA? Like, how could you (laughs) get even better? How could you become even better than you already are? Well, during year five, that's when you should really start considering precepting PA students. Yes. Aaron and I both started precepting around our fifth year of practice. And honestly, I don't think I would have been a decent preceptor before that. Yeah, it is way too hard to precept a PA student when you still don't have your own shit figured out. Yeah, you have to be confident in all aspects of practice before you can even think about training a new student. Mm -hmm. Six weeks with a student is a huge commitment because they require so much handholding and it's a lot of work. Before agreeing to precept students, I had, I think, precepted maybe one or two students here and there just for a day or so when my coworker was on vacation or needed a break. So I kind of have an idea of what to expect, but I never had the full responsibility of committing to one student for six weeks. Yeah, I did the same thing. And that really gave me an idea of what it actually meant to be a preceptor. My coworker was doing it quite a bit. And so I kind of got to see his experience with it. And he always says that he's never had a student who doesn't slow him down. So you need to know that precepting a student will always add more work rather than lighten your load. It is a pain in the ass to precept students, but it is an important thing to do. And remember, it's literally the only way for new PAs to be born. Yeah. This year, I precepted two students back to back for eight weeks total. And when my bonus came in, I was like, what the hell? I didn't get a bonus because (laughs) my students slowed me down. One of the criteria for the bonus was patient satisfaction and door-to-door time. And because my students spent, you know, three hours in a room with my patients suturing ahead, (laughs) obviously, I wasn't getting my patients out the door in 75 minutes. Right. So that really, you know, affected my money. I actually lost, like, I think, like $5,000 because of it. But that's fine. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. But I still do it. And next time, I just know that I'll never commit to two students back to back. It's a lot. Right. I usually only take about two to three students a year. Sometimes it's four weeks, sometimes it's six weeks. Um, But whichever amount of time, it's still a huge commitment. And it's also a big ask for the other members of your team, because a lot of the times they're the ones that end up picking up your slack Mm -hmm. when you're running behind because you're being slowed down. And then a lot of times they'll also agree to let the student spend a day with them, like on the days that you're not available. So it really does affect the whole team. 
Yeah, but it's important to do so, though. Yep. Remember, once upon a time, a random stranger took you on as a student, and this incredibly thoughtful and kind, compassionate person wasn't compensated for their time, and they spent hours mentoring you. So it is our responsibility as a professional community to make sure that new grads entering the field are given the same opportunity for educations that we had. Yeah, nothing makes me angrier than listening to an experienced PA complain about new grads, but not precepting or making any kind of move to help things get better. Not only that, but it's a critical way to stay engaged in what PA programs are currently doing and what kind of education they're pushing out. Erin and I have both noticed some general issues with some new grads just starting out, and it's because a lot of the new PA programs just aren't as reputable as they should be. Yeah. On next week's episode, we're going to sort of talk about those things that we're seeing, and we're going to throw in a hodgepodge of other topics as well. Things that don't necessarily need an entire podcast to talk about, but we still feel like we need to mention them. And then we're also going to include some pre-PA topics next week. So make sure you tune in next week and don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast anywhere where you download your podcast. And make sure you check our new YouTube channel, Your PM Mentor, and our website at www.yourpmentor.com. That's right. That is all for this week and we'll see you next week, guys. Okay, bye. Bye.